Welcome to Sends and Suffers Podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. If you haven't already, please follow, like, and subscribe to Sends and Suffers Podcast. Every bit counts, and we would love to hear from you. So take a moment to leave a comment. These go a long way and help others know what they're getting into and how good this show is. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, consider becoming a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you are investing in Sense and Suffers podcast, and it's like buying your boy a taco, hanging out, and getting to know the good good that is coming your way. Monthly recaps, early show releases, and all the other cool things that we do. Thank you so much for listening to Sense and Suffers podcast. The official sponsor of Sense and Suffers podcast is Organic Climbing. From crash pads to chalk buckets to chalk bags to fanny packs, their drip is on fire. And let me tell you, with absolute utter certainty in my voice, there is no greater feeling when you are coming down from your highball or the heavens above. Let me tell you, of seeing an organic crash pad underneath your feet, you will rise to the occasion or feel comfortable coming down from that occasion. Use Sends and Suffers. In your next purchase, get 10% off and support someone who supports this podcast. Organic Climbing is really, honestly, one of the best companies in the climbing industry as a whole. My guest today is Taylor Fragamini. She is an online climbing coach with the Power Company, Route Setter, and all-around amazing rock climber. This conversation is one that we had quite a while ago back at the International Climbers Festival. I hope you enjoy two friends that have never met that did meet and now are straight homies. Enjoy the episode. All right. I am so sorry I'm late. <laughs> it's all I good. Was, sorry about that. <laughs> but we'll just dive into this. So who are you? Where are you from? And what is your relation to the outdoors, climbing, and all these wonderful things that we do? Um, gosh, who am I? That's such a loaded question. I mean, you don't have to go so <laughs> existential about it. I do, though. Oh, no, never mind. You're kidding. deep. Okay, girl. I don't, I don't need to. Um, I grew up in upstate New York okay. near the Adirondack Mountains, mm -hmm. which is how I got into climbing originally, actually. I had some friends in high school that had kind of learned from a couple of the teachers there actually that also like were very active in the local climbing community um one of them like worked at the climbing gym there um and then I like went out with them one day and was just like instantly hooked and so I actually learned um how to trad climb first which is kind of unusual you no no I learned how to trad climb first so <laughs> yeah. you just like stole my heart <laughs> so now I'm like now I'm fanboying more than I was originally fanboying before. <laughs> so like, yeah. So can you be a double fanboy? I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Why not? I was about <laughs> to say maybe I'm a fallout boy, but then I realized I don't ever want to listen to fallout ever again. So, <laughs> that like, time has passed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so I started like the, near the 
end of my senior year of high school. And I already decided that I was going to go to college in Montana at Montana State University in Bozeman, um, mostly for the skiing, ironically. Are you a big time? Do you still ski a lot? No. <laughs> that was the funny part. Is I was like really hardcore into skiing as a kid. Um, my parents like had us on skis as soon as we could walk, basically. And I raced all through high school, like downhill. And I was like, I'm moving to the West for college. Oh, wow. Uh and decided on Montana State. And then I started climbing after I had made that decision, like months later. And I was so hooked that I like, I barely skied the whole time I was in Montana. <laughs> That's awesome. kind of funny. I'd ski like less and less every year. Um, but I still got out quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And like when I moved to Montana, I kind of learned how to boulder and gym climb and sport climb a little bit. And now I'm just really into limestone sport climbing primarily. So what about climbing made you hooked and why was it so, why was it so powerful that it made you just basically forget the sport you've done virtually your whole <laughs> life? Um, I think it's really the movement aspect is a big one for me. Um, and I, I really loved like how all around challenging it is like the technical aspects, the physical aspects, the mental aspects, um, and I think that it really gave me this avenue to like learn how to fail a little bit and persist. Um, did you not have that in skiing? Um, I did, but we didn't, our coaches didn't really coach very much. They were kind of just there. And like, uh, so yeah. I felt like really aimless, I guess, in a yeah, lot of ways no. where I was like, I don't really like, I'd been skiing for a long time, but as I far as it. like the racing goes, I was like, they're just they're like supervising kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I didn't, I didn't grow up in a, in an atmosphere where I felt like it was okay to fail. And so I think I avoided it a lot. Is that just from family, just culture or all I, everything? Yeah. It was like just kind of my, my family, my household. It felt yeah. like it was like, um, you know, I got good grades. I was like somewhat athletic and that was just like how I was. And it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I had like worked really hard for these things. Um, and so it, it, it's like classic fixed mindset kind of situation, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you know, this is, this is her. She like is on the varsity ski team and gets straight A's. And I was like, uh, there's a lot more to me than that. But it created this very, like, I was, I was always just like scared to have that taken away, I think. And I didn't really understand that until years later when I like learned more about growth and fixed mindset and stuff. Um, but for some reason in climbing, it felt like a, a safer, like easier space to explore that. Oh, because there's no other way. There's no other way. Yeah. yeah like it is the way of the Mandalorian. <laughs> if you're not falling, you're not learning. And if you're exactly. not learning, then like, what are you doing? Like you're, you're not failing. It, yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it, it's interesting because like I've definitely talked to people before who have come from either strong family backgrounds where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, if you're not first, you're last, if this and that. And it's funny, it's like you, it seems like you were just kind of always kind of gifted. And mm -hmm. like, like gifted, I think is a loose term, but you were always pretty good at it. And then when you finally found an opportunity to fail, you're just like, this is it. Yeah. Like the stoke is real. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, it's the complete other opposite. Like they, like the moment failure starts to happen, they're like, oh, okay, like no, like mm -hmm. oh, I'm good. And it's like, it's very interesting to me because like, you know, Asian cultures associate struggle. Mm -hmm. Like you're always struggling. You're always moving forward. But 
I, the few people that I've talked to that are not very far removed have always been like, failure is not a thing. And I think that mm. is, fail. you can struggle, but you can't fail. Mm-hmm. And I think that mindset is very universal across a lot of spectrums. But I think we innately as climbers, like, it, you kind of just have to get over that yeah, like, real quick. And I think I experienced both where, like, I was really scared of it initially, but. How'd you feel the first time you, like, were, like, so what was your experience, like, the first time you were actually, like, projecting? I know for me, like, the first time I realized I was projecting something, it was, like, this weird feeling. Because I was, like, I don't like that I'm not getting this, but I can't stop. Yeah. I'm, like, am, am I a drug addict? <laughs> yeah, I think I experienced a lot of frustration throughout the course of the first like real project that I did. And, do you and I it? mean, yeah, I do. It was uh, a route called dances with cows intensely. And awesome. <laughs> very Wyoming. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, 13. A. was like the first one that I had done. Uh, and it just, something about that route. It was like, it's really thin and technical and there's a lot of options through the crux. Um, and I was, I was really psyched on it. It suited me well. And I was like, I got to do this route. And I remember just beating my head against the wall, like for days and days on this, like three week trip that I was there or something. And I ended up doing it, but I remember just, I like, I was excited, but I was also just kind of like relieved it was over, <laughs> but I totally went into it. Not really like understanding how to project tactically and like how I mean, to deal with the mental space of it and all of that. It's like cooking. The first time you yeah. cook anything, you're just burning and you're just hoping that it's still edible and vaguely totally. tastes good. And then you start learning what to do. Yeah. And and sending is a skill, you know, like the it more is. the more you can practice it all the way through completion, the better you get at, at navigating the tactical aspects and the the mental pressure of like wanting to do something, but having to let go of wanting to do it a little bit in yeah. order to succeed. And like, it's cool. It's such a fun process. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely mentally and emotionally. I think it's like, I think the biggest thing for me is like, especially when I get back on a route and I haven't been climbing for a while and I'm like, okay, I'm going to send this route to me on it. And I get on there and I'm like, I don't even want to be here anyway. This yeah. is stupid. Why am I not at a restaurant eating or doing something else? But then like the closer I get to the chains, I'm like, my sight gets up, my sight yeah. gets up. And then I always come down and I have to remind myself, I was like, I am out of practice of this or I am mm. not. And I love how you say like sending is a skill because it implies that like it is something you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And I find that I have to reteach myself how to get into the right emotional space Mm -hmm. to allow myself to suffer a little bit more and drive a little bit more. And also it's a balance too, because I know a lot of people who don't know that balance and then they get injured. Mm -hmm. Or they get frustrated or they stop having fun and like climbing should be fun at least most of the time, I think. I mean, I think it (laughs) is majority. I mean, but I think all climbers are... You hit a certain point in your climbing career where you become a little bit of a masochist because that's the sure. only way you can make it fun. If not, it's all terrible. It's still fun in the end. Yes. <laughs> so what are you doing with your, so where are you now? Where are you now in your climbing journeys? And I mean, you know, you're crushing all the 14s and 15s uh, of the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> not even a little bit. I, I, I have faith in you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, more faith than you. I have so much faith. I'll give you some. <laughs> yeah, I need it. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
so when I moved to Bozeman, I, uh, I was in school. I didn't have like a car or a bike my freshman year. And so I was just like on campus all the time, basically. And I would just go to the bouldering gym on campus almost every day, like between classes or after class or whatever. Okay. And then I started route setting, um, my, the beginning of my sophomore year of college when I was 19. Um, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking 29. Yeah. You have very nice double helixes. No one's ever going to know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, I started setting at the university gym and then a, a year later I started setting at the commercial facility in Bozeman. It's called Spire. Um, hey, welcome to Wyoming. <laughs> this is a beautiful state. Rocky Mountain. Yes, we are. So in the meantime, enjoy it. Thank you. <laughs> welcome to Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I started setting at the commercial facility. <laughs> and then uh, I started like, and I finished school and haven't used my degree at all, really. But what I started is it in? Uh, Earth Science with a focus in GIS. What is GIS? It's Geographic Information Systems. So it's a lot of like, it's it's like spatial science, basically. It's looking okay. at how how things like occur over landscapes. Okay, that makes like sense. That. Yeah. Um, Big brain. <laughs> I liked science. I liked school. I was like kind of a nerd. No, um, it makes sense why you're good at rock climbing. <laughs> I feel like the nerdier you are, the better you are going to be at climbing. It helps. Well, yeah, because you, you have feel the, a little analytical about it. Well, you also have the ability to fixate mm -hmm. and just like not go not go too far down the rabbit hole, but just go far enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, fast forward. I I graduate from school. I start like filling in coaching a little bit. I started teaching youth programs and instructing intro classes and working the desk at the gym. Um, and then fast forward a few more years later and I was the, the head setter and the head coach at Spire for several years, um, which obviously meant I was working a ton and yes. my focus was predominantly on other people's climbing, which is great. And I love that. And I get really invested in other people's climbing. Um, but uh, a year and a half ago, it just started, or a couple of years ago, really, it started to feel like I need to like change it up a little bit, maybe do yeah. something else. Like as I'm like getting older, I'm like, man, I want to focus on my own climbing a little bit more. Um, so I moved to St. George, Utah, and I started my own coaching business and I route set one day a week at the gym down there called Contact. Um, and I go rock climbing a lot now which is really nice. The climbing around there is amazing. It's pretty world-class. So there, I don't think there's like a better place in the country to live for limestone sport climbing. That's a bold statement considering we're in Lander. I know, but I don't know. I, St. George has like a little more variety, I think. I'm not a Lander expert, but... I mean, I think we're... I think the big thing here is we're in like pocket paradise. Yeah. In which God. I had a chance to pull a little bit yesterday. And I just was like thinking about it and I was like grabbing on. I was like, there are, I've literally grabbed on like seven shallow pockets. Yeah. It's so hard here. It, and then also too, one thing I noticed, I realized like I need to warm up my knees and the ends, mm. like my internal and external rotation of my knee, because like I didn't realize because I was turning in, my knee started hurting. I was like, why does yeah. this hurt? And it's like, okay, this is weird. The but, climbing here seems it's feels really like strength and power oriented it and is. I'm more of like a technical climber. And so it feels really, really hard for Fair me. Fair enough. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a variety somewhere. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I, sure too. I'm more of a bold and power climber. I yeah. like, 
the bigger, the bolder, the scarier, the, the more excited I am. <laughs> nice. So like, that's just generally how I like to roll. Yeah. But that makes sense. Yeah. So now you, so now you're still, you still, blah, 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 losing my tongue here. So you're coaching online. Mm-hmm. And, and in person a little bit at the gym too. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so did you like set up a contract with them or is it just because you are route setting or do you have an agreement? And the only reason why I ask is because I definitely have people wanting to start their own coaching careers, mm-hmm. but they also don't want to work for a gym. Yeah. Like, how do you navigate that? Um, it, since they were hiring me on as a route setter, it was easy to, to kind of be like, can, I, can I like do this too? Yeah. And they were, they've been really, really supportive of it, which has been super nice. You know, it's, it's beneficial to the community to have access to multiple coaches and yeah. be able to like get in-person coaching. Um, cause there's a lot of things that you can't like do over the internet, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, they've, they've been awesome about it and I get to like set my own prices and everything like that, which nice. is great. Cause I do, I do everything at like a sliding scale to make it a little bit more mm-hmm. accessible for people. So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been pretty chill, which is nice. And I've, I've kind of like stepped in and coached a teeny bit with the youth team there. Do they have a fairly yeah. large youth team? No, it's, it's really small. I mean, this, the gym only opened, uh, like about a year and a half ago. So it's oh. brand new. Yeah. Oh, this is a really. So I've been there since the opening. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is really new. Yeah. And then you also are coaching for Power Company. Yep. Yeah. What is that experience like? Um, it's great. I mean, it's really, really nice to have access to a bunch of other experienced coaches. Um, because I think when you're off like doing your own thing, it's it's easy for me at least to get in my head a little bit about like, am I doing this the the quote unquote right way? Um, not that there is one right way, but, uh, it's nice to just have like your methods validated a little bit every once in a while. And working in this like remote realm is new to me, even though I've been coaching for a lot of years, it's, it's very different from coaching a youth team multiple days a week. Um, yeah, I know. I I understand that. All the logistical parts are the hard, the hard parts. I think my experience is mostly coaching youth team and adults for years. And I do have a few online clients. Mm -hmm. I only have like eight. I normally, and I don't do more than 10 just yeah. because like my primary focus is in person and I like seeing people in person mm-hmm. so much. And it's like very, very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that. Like, so do you see yourself continuing to coach or is there any other avenues that you are considering exploring and like inside the climbing community and outside the climbing community? I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, climbing is life. But it's not our entire life. Yeah, I don't. I I really love coaching. It brings me like a lot of of joy to be able to form meaningful connections with people and help them enjoy the sport and like learn things about themselves and improve and all of that. Um, Every once in a while, to be like totally transparent, I'm like, man, maybe be sick to not work in the climbing industry. Um, I have no idea what I would do if I didn't. And I'm, I'm not like, I got to get out of here, but no, I do I think get, about it sometimes. I trust me. I know I've been in it almost 20 years yeah. and it's like, I think about it a lot occasionally where it's like, what else could I do? You know? And I like, my mom is like definitely throwing out all classic mom ideas. She's mm-hmm. like, you should do this. You should open a restaurant. You should do that. You could just do I'm like, mom, all of those things sound terrible when yeah. I think about leaving the climate industry. And so I always wondered like, do I really just have like Stockholm syndrome and I just can't leave? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. It'd be so, it'd be weird. It'd be hard. I think I would have to go back to school to do something else. Was there anything else that you do that kind of brings you joy, like for balance sakes? Because I think that's important. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, just as we balance like training and fitness and everything else that we do, Mm -hmm. I think you still have to balance your life. I quote this book a lot. Uh, to climbers and people on the show, uh, it's called the book of five rings mm-hmm. and it was written by a samurai, like world's greatest samurai won something like 60 something matches undefeated mm. and created of the two heaven style. Um, and one of the things he talked about is like, you cannot be the greatest swordsman in the world. He could not be the greatest swordsman in the world if he was not a master at the tea ceremony. And if mm. he was not a master at like gardening or something else. But like he had balance at all these things and he was extremely good. And I mm-hmm. feel like sometimes as climbers, we tend to get a little lopsided. Totally. And so is there anything that you do to help bring you balance? I know for me, it's cooking. Like I utterly. I was just going to say that actually. So that's really funny. Oh, nice. Nice. We should have a chef off. <laughs> yeah. Climbers chef off. Yeah. I, I've gotten away from it a little bit since moving. Um, cause life's just been a little crazy and I'm like living out of my tiny little transit connect van now. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I just, I love it. I, um, I started eating vegan like five or six years ago now. And I feel like that was when I like started to get really psyched on cooking. Cause I felt like I had to relearn how to make things. Um, and yeah, it's always been so fun. I especially loved like when I lived in Bozeman, we used to just have like friend family dinners, you know, where yeah. like I'd have everyone come over and make dinner for everyone and we'd like all hang out and that why, was really fun. Why the change to vegan? Like what was that? I'm just curious because yeah. like, there's a bunch of Olympic athletes who are vegan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, it was like like everyone was talking about like how there was all these Olympic athletes who are vegan and then they won a bunch of gold medals and then people were like, okay, this is legit. We're paying attention now. Yes. Yeah. So I'll just, I will totally preface all of this with like, I think nutrition and like the diet that works for you is very, very personal. Agreed. Um but for me, I, when I was in my early twenties, I, I never felt like I got like that invincible face that everyone gets, but I like, I was having all sorts of like tweaks and injuries and I was tired all the time and I was like pretty depressed and there was something going on that just like, there was something happening. Things weren't quite right. And so I ended up going to see a doctor in Bozeman that was also trained as a naturopath. Um, and she had me do all these blood tests and stuff. And it turns out that I had a, well, I still have a sensitivity to gluten and almonds of all things. Um, And so I, because of those sensitivities, my body was so inflamed that I wasn't absorbing nutrients from anything I was eating. So I was like across the board deficient. I was like my, I was protein deficient, which is really hard to do. No, that's rough. Yeah. And this is like before I was vegan too. Um, Not to say that you can't get enough protein on a vegan diet, just to say that. Um, and, uh, my cholesterol was too low, which I didn't even know was a thing. I was iron deficient. Like just, it was bad. Um, so I stopped eating those things and it got better, which was great. Um, but I still didn't like quite feel that awesome. Um, and my, the rest of my family, my parents and my sister started eating vegan just to like try it out, like probably a year before I did. And they were all really loving it. And I was like, well, we're all you know, share some genetics. So maybe I'll try this and see how it goes. 
Um, and the first like month or two was kind of horrible. I think I was going through this like detox phase, which some yeah, people do experience that. Yep, it does. Um, and at a certain point too, I took a, uh, I took one of those like at home DNA tests. There was like some sale online for one. I, you could do one for like I 80 bucks like or something. I feel like that's like the dark underbelly of like one of the dark. <laughs> I, I, know. I Okay. So I feel the same this way. This was about, a lot of years ago. I didn't I, know. But still, I feel the same <laughs> way about those D- at home DNA tests as I feel like about 4chan or Reddit. Like it's like, this is, just seems like this dark underbelly. Like, yeah. why do you want this? What, like where could you, do you destroy this information later on? Yeah. Like, where does it go? Yeah. Yeah. But what did you learn? Um, one, so a lot of it was kind of just confirmed stuff that I already like was thought was true, which was good. Um, but the most telling thing I think was that, um, my body doesn't detox as a, like my natural detox pathways are not as efficient as most people's. Okay. So I have a hard time getting toxins out of my body, um, which I think is why eating like a whole foods plant-based diet for me works really well because it tends to be cleaner. Um, And I'll still notice if I'm like eating processed foods more frequently and stuff, like I won't feel very good. And it takes me a long time (coughs) to recover if I like I'm not eating well and stuff like that or not sleeping well or drinking alcohol or anything like that. Um, So that was my reasoning for going vegan. And I, I like it. It's worked really well for me. I don't think it works for everyone, but. No, I mean, I agree. And like food is like a very personal thing. It is. It's funny. I think the relationship with like it. So like, we know, we're talking about climbing and because that's the thing that's between us both. It's Mm -hmm. mutual. Um, And uh, I think, hold on one second. I think we might have to move because they're going to like start drilling. It's going to be really, oh, really? Loud. Yeah. But I want to say this statement uh, oh, real got quick. got T-handle wrenches. We're good. Yeah, but he just broke out the impact driver. See what oh. I mean? For those of you who are just listening, <laughs> so we are at the Lander Climber Festival and uh, they are taking down the dino wall, which they had a dino comp on and different things like that. And they're looking at us right now doing our thing. So maybe they'll be quiet. <laughs> I'm definitely play hard ass and not move until they start making loud noises. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, just like coaching athletes, like their climbing is immensely personal to them mm-hmm. and the routes they approach and the way they do it. Your relationship with food is as personal, if not more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool for me to hear you say this because I don't think a lot of people navigate their relationship with food like they do with climbing Mm -hmm. and like people talk about like nutrition and Neely Quinn does a great job talking about it on uh, training beta and different things like that. But I think as in general, I don't think people really explore that. And I think that's probably one of the things that makes you such a good coach too, because you are a little nerdy, big scientist, (laughs) big brain girl, big brain. Um, And you just, you have the ability just to like dive in and think about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, but like, how do you manage that climbing? Is it any harder or easier? Have you found it like, especially like long climbing trips, camping, going out? Um, it can take a little more prep if you're somewhere that doesn't have a lot of like vegan options, but if you're eating a lot of like vegetables and like you can find beans, tofu, you can get pretty much anywhere now and stuff like that. So it could be that like, Eating out is harder in some places, but 
you I know, if you, eating out here is harder. Yeah. Although that rise place has a lot of vegan options. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's Sunday. It's I'm Sunday. So, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's totally fine. Full disclaimer. I was so late and I was supposed to bring a smoothie from Rise, but then I forgot we're in a small country town and nothing is open on Sunday because it's the Lord's Day. <laughs> it's the Lord's Day. I'm used to it because St. George, like everything is closed on Sundays too. Yeah. Living so. in Dallas in a metropolis, it's like if everything was to close on Sunday, people would be rioting would in the out. street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you just have to plan it out a little bit and I think that's true no matter what you're eating like if you Mm want to be able to fuel well at the crag then you need to like put some effort into it (laughs) yeah no I would agree I mean you do the same thing across the board Mm -hmm. um I'm gonna see where are we at here just double checking myself because I don't think I won that battle with the drill (laughs) I don't think so either I think they're gonna do that so would you mind if we take a quick break and relocate no, ourselves? No, that's great. So, if you're listening to this, I got something I gotta admit. The rest of this audio went off to Never Neverland. Taylor doesn't even know that. So, Easter egg! Now everybody found out that if you want to listen to the rest of this, you're going to have to wait until November when Taylor actually comes to visit and we will sit down and have this conversation and finish this off. So yeah, Taylor, you didn't know this, but now you do. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here before I start rambling. And remember, as always, if you are not suffering, is the sin really worth it at all? Look at it in every aspect of your life. If there's not a little grind for it, is it really that fine? You got to ask. Don't not yell, yell.